we know that as a country, we are blessed. We are very fortunate with the resources we have, you know, the system of government we have. And we are a country that is united in its vision. You know, we want to be successful and we want success for all. Welcome to Speaking of Business, conversations with Canadian innovators, entrepreneurs, and business leaders. I'm Goldie Hyder, President and CEO of the Business Council of Canada. In 1987, Bharat Masrani started a new job as a trainee with TD Bank. Three decades later, that trainee became TD's Group President and CEO. Today, he oversees North America's fifth largest bank and is responsible for 90,000 employees and more than 26 million customers around the world. His career has spanned three continents and has weathered multiple recessions, massive digital transformation, and now a two-year global pandemic. In other words, he's learned a thing or two about leadership and crisis management along the way. It's a great pleasure to be able to speak with him today. Welcome to the podcast, Bart. Nice to be with you, Goldie. Hope you're doing well. Well, look, let's get something out of the way here because I'm going to get all kinds of texts and emails and saying I'm saying your name wrong, but you know I'm of Indian origin. I'm actually saying your name right, right? Hey, go with the way that makes you comfortable. I see Goldie in itself uh, doesn't sound like an Indian name. Well, there's another story behind that. Maybe you'll have to have me on one of your podcasts sometime. (laughs) (laughs) We should. We should. That should be fun. All right. Well, look, let's start off what I said in the introduction. You know, I mean, hopefully there's a bunch of bank trainees and entry level employees that are listening to this podcast. And I want you to just share your journey with them. Tell me how you go from kind of a trainee yourself to becoming the CEO of TD. Well, Goldie, you introduced me, you know, as a fellow Indian, and I'm proud to be a fellow Indian. But my sort of ancestors emigrated to East Africa, you know, from India about 100 years ago. And you may recall this, you and I have chatted about it. Uh, you know, I grew up there and, uh, you know, spent time in the UK, which was quite common for kids at that time. And then uh, the whole community was actually uh, kicked out. You know, we became refugees and moved to the UK and I came to Canada and decided to go to university here and uh, make my life here. So, you know, I've been in Canada for, for many, many years and did my uh, BBA and MBA here. I was at the Schulich School in Toronto. And then joined TD and uh, as a trainee, as you said, and what an experience it has been. And I'd say, you know, it's not common that you can join a company and have so many different roles under one roof. And that's what TD was able to provide to me. So I'd say, you know, my advice, excel at what you do, be confident, do what you really like, what you have passion for, which is all the ingredients to make a great career. And then, of course, you know, you have to surround yourself with great people, take jobs that nobody wants. And before you know it, magic starts to happen. And so for me, I've been very fortunate, been with the bank 35 years, have uh, done many, many jobs, and uh, it has turned out well. And I say the key lesson is to surround yourself with great people and uh, people who are actually better than what you are. And your job is to really, really motivate them and have the best come out of them. That's how I was able to make my career. Yes. Yeah, so it's worked out well. And I got to put a plug for my bag. You know, it's TD and Canada that gives an opportunity for a guy like me, you know, from India via Africa, via UK can come here and make a whole career and a life uh, in this country. So terrific, terrific environment in Canada and, of course, at TD. Yeah, well said. I mean, I think we all have our challenges in Canada, but there's nowhere else we'd rather live in the world, is there? That's right, you know, without a doubt. And and frankly, you know, it is uh, one of the strengths of Canada. You know, it's a diverse country. 
It is a tolerant country. It's a multicultural country. And that in itself is hugely beneficial to what the future holds, uh, you know, post this pandemic. And hopefully we'll be there soon. Yeah, well, I'm going to come to that shortly, but I want to, before leaving the first question, you know, you're in the risk business. And one of the things we have seen as a trend on this podcast and talking to your peers is the role of failure and or the role of having taken risks in your career. Can you think of any moments in your life where you you did take that leap, if you will, or where you failed and learned? Of course, you know, the, I mean, failure in itself is an opportunity. I mean, God knows how many times I failed. Uh, there have been lots of situations where I thought, you know, situations have, are not going to work out. And one that comes to mind was, uh, and I joined the bank, uh, I think this was about three or four years after I joined. And I made a huge mistake and a classic mistake in a bank. You know, I took on a credit, took on a company that I shouldn't have and did not make the right assessments and the bank lost money. And so I thought, you know, the following morning when I go to work, you know, I'm, I'm going to be asked to, to leave because it was a sizable amount. <laughs> it was a huge amount at that point. And I remember my, my manager telling me, you know, are you kidding me? We just spent, you know, X dollars teaching you what it is to be a banker. Why would we want to throw that experience away? Because you're golden now, you know, you're not going to be making the same mistake ever again. And we are a bank, we're in the risk-taking business, and you got to learn to take risks. Now, in your case, the risk wasn't fatal. It was close, but it was not fatal. And that's the one experience I will never forget, because that is so true that all of us have to learn and, and we need that opportunity. We will fail as long as we don't do it too often and don't make it fatal. You know, things do work out. Well, thanks for sharing that. Let's talk about the fact that we are now in year three of COVID. And certainly you and I know that a lot of people, including people like in our own circle of friends, are finding it hard now to be optimistic, that there has been a level of sort of frustration that has manufactured itself and peaked to some extent. So, I mean, first of all, how are you doing and how are you feeling about where we are now? Well, I, I'm doing fine, Goldie, all things considered. You know, I mean, nobody could have planned uh, to live like this, to go through a lockdown. The last two years have been, you know, quite something. And all of us have personal stories. I'm sure you do. In my case, you know, my family is all over the world. You know, I'm a grandfather. I have a little grandson who lives in Italy. I've not been able to, you know, see my son and my grandson uh, for, for more than two years now. So I know it's been tough, tough on everyone. But I'd say, you know, given where we are today, uh, we are in a much better situation than we were a year ago or even, you know, in March of 2020. We have vaccines, you know, we have treatments, the science has caught up, you know, we know, uh, you know, medically how to live with this uh, virus. So we're in a much better situation. And I think, you know, given all that has happened, the future is very bright. We will come out of this. Uh, I can tell you one thing. The economic disruption means opportunity. And I think opportunity for Canada, opportunity for Canadian companies. And I see those days ahead of us. And I know it's going to be tough. But I want to say that, you know, as a country, we've adapted really well as a society as well. You know, we've been there for each other. We've made sure that the most vulnerable among us are cared for and are, are made sure that, you know, all the vaccines and all the treatments are made available. And, and I'm immensely, immensely grateful to everyone working tirelessly on the front line of this crisis. It's, it's just amazing. And I'd say one thing I would add, you know, 
as a banker and my stage in life, you know, we all of us have seen so many crises in our lives. They're all different in many, many ways. But the one thing in common, all of them end and this too shall end. And, and that's the way I see it. And, and I see, you know, much brighter future than where we were a year ago or even six months ago. Well, they say adversity builds character. I suppose that's true, not just for individuals, but institutions themselves. What do you see as a takeaway for yourself or for the bank uh, about how you navigated this crisis? Well, you know, uh, when you get into a crisis, uh, the typical uh, sort of aspects of leadership matter, right? You, know, you identify the problem, you organize a team around it, you set clear objectives, you have guiding principles, you make sure the right talent is, you know, addressing the right issue, uh, decision rights are, are clear, and, and then make sure that you're communicating and, and sharing a vision with your people to get to the other side. I mean, that's the classic way of handling, you know, any major problem, any major crisis. I think the one aspect that is very different, at least for me, was the uh, was the requirement to do all that in a virtual world. You know, some of us find uh, it very comfortable and it's a, it's, a, it's a strength that, you know, you can get together with people in one room, that you can see the body language, you know, you can shake hands and, you know, you meet and you collaborate and you celebrate and you recognize, well, this was different from that perspective. So we needed, we needed to adapt to this new reality of how to do all those things that you normally do in a crisis but do in a virtual world. And I, I got to give it, you know, at least I, I, I you know, for, for my own experience, you know, our, our teams in TD did a fantastic job, you know, in a matter of days and weeks, we were able to have tens of thousands of people connect virtually. You know, we were able to, you know, have our guiding principle number one met, you know, how do we maintain the health and safety of our, of our, of our own people, as well as our customers, you know, how do we keep our operations secure uh, and stable and how do we meet, you know, customer needs because we are an essential service. So just a fantastic performance by, by our teams to be able to do that. And in my own case, you know, the type of crisis management I just outlined, you know, we were able to do that virtually and then connect. I was able to connect with tens of thousands of our people uh, in town halls and, and you know, we had a whole CEO Connect series, which was terrific and was able to get, you know, what life was in the, in the front lines, you know, what different parts to the bank, how they were adapting, how they were managing and were able to take all that in and, and have our people actually, you know, deliver for our customers. So, you know, a lot to learn here. Uh, I think there are going to be lots of lessons here that nobody's ever going to forget. And frankly, you know, the new ways of working is not going to go away. You know, it's going to be a hybrid world. We will be using these tools, these techniques, this way of connecting for many, many years to come. Well, it's pretty evident that, you know, you and I certainly love this country. And part of love sometimes is having to, to have some tough love. And you just referenced the need to look back when this is over and ask ourselves, you know, how did we do? What did we learn? And I'm wondering as you, you know, had a pretty good front row seat to how the country functioned, how our federation functioned, how our, our leaders performed. How do you feel about that? How do you feel that Canada fared through this crisis? I think Canada, you know, overall did, uh, did pretty well. I mean, when you think of the response, as you say, response to the pandemic, you know, the you know, we have a, a a federation, as you say, but we are a united federation. You know, we are a 
we trust uh, in various institutions in our country. And, you know, when this crisis was upon us, you know, the country rallied around the need uh, at the time uh, to be safe, to be healthy. The lockdowns worked well, the government programs uh, at the outset to support Canadians because, you know, it, it became illegal, Goldie, to leave your home. It became illegal, yeah, yeah. you know, to, to, to perform your work. Uh, and, and how do you survive in that world? So I think the support systems that were put in place immediately uh, was, was absolutely the right thing to do by various governments. And I'd say, you know, major corporations, uh, and I can talk about the bank, you know, banks rallied around and said, how do we put in deferral programs? for Canadians to, to make sure that they can meet their financial needs without worrying about, you know, what happens to the next payment. You know, loans were redone, interest rates were reset, new loans were made. And this was done in a world where the economy had stopped. It had dead stopped. And, and I think as a country, you know, we did pretty well, I think, to managing through that uh, crisis because we're seeing lots of examples in the world, some good ones, but many bad ones where they were not able to come together to rally around the cause saying, you know, hey, we are going to come out of this and we're going to come out of this, you know, stronger and more resilient. So I think as a country, we did well. I think the big question here is the future. You know, what is the future? Uh, what, what, what are we going to do in the future? And, and I'd say, you know, for Canada, uh, Goldie, my view is this is a terrific opportunity for us. You know, the, the economic environment has changed. The, 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 the crisis has meant more opportunity, more industries have, 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 have you know, cropped up that, that matter in the future. And for Canada in that world, you know, we have all the ingredients, we have all the tools in our toolkit to really take advantage and really leverage what is to come here. You know, we have a, a legal system that people respect. You know, we have a system that is transparent. We have a highly skilled workforce. We have an education system that is second to none. Can we put all these things together and say, hey, this new opportunity in front of us, you know, what do we need to do to take our characteristics that are so needed and, and put it all together? And frankly, there are other, you know, forces at play here where, where Canada, again, can play to its strengths, like climate change, sustainability. And these are all the environmental things that are happening around us. And how do we take the, the characteristics, the strengths of Canada and put it all together and frankly leverage these opportunities for the future? So I think lots of lessons here, uh, but I, I am very optimistic about the future and what it bodes for Canada. Well, let's, let's unpack some of that because you said a lot of things there. First of all, I agree with you on optimism. I think Canadians have reason to be optimistic for all the reasons that you cited. You know, we have the vaccinations, we have the screens, we have the capacity to track and trace and do the things that we need to do. And let's hope that this, this variant is the end of it and, um, you know, we'll be coming out of it. But as you said, it's, it's the question of where to from here. You know, what does, what does that look like? I want to ask about one of the lessons about the pandemic in my mind is, how government and business work together to solve problems on behalf of Canadians. Because my theory is it worked best for the national interest when, in fact, government and business work together to execute the outcomes that were necessary. So whether we're talking about the PPE response, whether we're talking about, you know, the vaccine formation and the distribution, whether we're talking about, you know, deploying the rapid screening programs, the mortgage relief, all kinds of things. Business uh, helped execute some of the government's own financial programs, as you know. 
Can we do more of that? I mean, is there is there a need to have a more formal business government relationship? Because we've entered some some would say an era of big government. Uh, you know, I couldn't agree with you more as to what we were able to do. And and you're so right. You know, one big aspect of uh, how we managed through through this crisis was that cooperation. You know, governments and businesses, and frankly, Canadians coming together. And you know, take the example of banks. I mean, all the banks, and we have you know terrific you know globally competitive banking system. You know, got together with governments and and various levels of governments and put in programs like you know the the the, the SIBA program and and the stimulus checks that were sent out. And these programs were put in place over a weekend. You know, that would touch millions of people, millions of businesses, and frankly, the distribution of funds was so efficient that other countries were looking at Canada and said, how are you people pulling this off? And so that's just one example of, you know, what you are saying, you know, what what can we take, you know, in a non-pandemic world from the experience of the pandemic and, and leverage that even more. So I, I, I'd have to agree with you that there is an opportunity there. And obviously, you know, when you are in a in a very difficult situation, you know, you sometimes uh, you're making the rules up as you're going along because there's really no playbook. And so I, I think in a in a non-pandemic environment, things would be different. You know, there would be uh, probably be more uh, rules or, or or criteria that would have to be managed. But when you're in an emergency, you got to do what it, whatever it takes to get to the other side. So there'll be some adjustment, but I think your core point that can we take this lesson of of, uh, of governments and businesses working together uh, to achieve the same end here? And all of us want, you know, great things for Canada. There's no, you know, disagreement, no ambiguity as to what all of us are striving for. And then your point on certain lessons here, like PPE, and there are going to be certain global trends here where countries are not going to be relying on other countries uh, for basic, you know, medical needs. And and I, and we have to figure out a way to adapt to that as well. And we already are. And you can see that happening on the vaccine front. You can see it on the PPE front. And I'm sure there'll be other examples, you know, as we move forward. You know, the Business Council of Canada has been calling for a need for a really deliberate and intentional industrial policy for the country, an opportunity to do, as you've said, seize the moment and figure out what we want to do as we go forward. And I think we would agree that it starts with investing in in people. And obviously, one of the great challenges that CEOs are facing today and businesses around the country are facing today, it's actually a global issue, is the, is the war on talent. How are you managing as a bank the issue of labor shortages, skills, reskilling, the transition that is taking place um, in real time? Yes, there is a, a transition. Yes, there's a labor shortage. You know, the concept of the great resignation uh, is in Canada and in other jurisdictions where, where TD operates. But, you know, folks want to be associated. They want to be part of an organization that is purpose-driven. You know, they want to be with, a, with, a, with an organization that shares their value. I think you start with that basic premise. You know, when we talk about labor shortages, uh, I don't want to say that we have uh, zero labor shortages at, at TD, but I, I'm proud to say that, you know, we appear, based on what I hear from others, to have less of a problem in that regard. Uh, you know, and then, of course, it's it's incumbent on, on, on large corporations to set up their folks, you know, for success. 
and you know what are you doing to develop people what are you doing to to ensure that you're providing them with the right tools the right opportunity and and how do we make that happen so i i don't want to put all this on on public policy uh, sort of makers i i think you know companies themselves uh, have to adapt their own workforces you know for the future they got to adapt as to what is required what kind of skills are necessary having said that you know there are certain aspects that we need to work on you know there are like i mentioned you know answering your other question you know we have terrific institutions i take you know ai and uh, engineering talent required uh, for 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 the future i mean canada is a hotbed of of uh, talent of expertise you know we got great universities uh, that that graduate uh, you know terrific people and and what do we need to do in this world where talent matters talent is the key differentiator uh, skill sets matter you know uh, and how do we make sure that we have the right opportunities here in Canada for these folks to thrive and not look to leave Canada. So I think that is a a, a major question for us as a country to grapple with uh, but you know the fact that we are talking about it is a good sign. You know as like I've learned you know unless we define a problem none, none of us will look for solutions. So there is a problem that we need to find a way to make sure that Canada has the right talent and and we have a economy that allows that talent to grow and thrive in Canada. The other issue that you put on the table just now was climate change, something else that's a priority for the business council. What exactly, I mean, what can the bank do about climate change? You know, what are you doing about climate change and and where do you see the opportunities? No, first we start with the with the premise that it is an issue. <laughs> it, it is interesting, you know, around the world there's a debate going on as to the degree of the problem and, and and all that. But so let's start with the premise that you know climate is a problem. It is an issue, and, and it needs to be managed and it needs to be addressed. Let me talk about you know what we've done at TD. We totally believe in moving to a low carbon economy. we are all for net zero in fact i think we were the first canadian banks to have a climate action plan which we announced that we will target to be net zero in accordance with the paris agreement by 2050 and we have set up uh, teams to to address you know how we going to do that we'll be setting up interim targets etc and this is not only regarding our own operations but when we provide financing to those companies and how are we going to measure their carbon intensity but the key point there uh goldie is that we cannot flick a switch and get to a net zero world you know we cannot get there tomorrow because we would wish to be there you know we can't wish ourselves there this is a transition it has to be an orderly transition and frankly for canada this transition is critically important you know we are a resource uh, rich economy and we need to work through the transition in a sensible and orderly manner so my view is that you know yes we are all for the transition yes we are all for the net zero world but through this transition we do need to support responsible energy development because otherwise we are going to lose our populations you know to drive towards the net zero world we're already seeing that all of us are talking about inflation that is now upon us and and saying wow you're having 
lineups in the UK because people can't get fuel. You're having governments, you know, change their mind because uh, the populations are not willing to accept a world where prices are going to go too high. So, so we have to manage this in a, in a sensible way through a transition. And that's what TD has been professing. And frankly, that's what we are committed to do. So that's the background of what we need to do now. In that world, we know that through this transition, technologies need to be invented. Technologies need to be discovered. You know, we need talent to actually get us there because in today's technology, we cannot get to the net zero world. So what can Canada do there? Well, huge opportunity for Canada. Yes, we have a huge resource base in provinces like Alberta, but you look at what those companies are doing. They're on the leading edge of technology. They're leading edge of, you know, how do we reduce carbon? How do we reduce, you know, global warming, the, the greenhouse gases? That is a, a, a major headline here. And they're among the world leaders here. So I could go on and on, but I think for Canada, transition is important. We need to make sure we are setting up the right industries for the future here. But in the meantime, we got to support responsible energy development because that's the only way to get there in an orderly manner. Well, I do think the banks and financial institutions more broadly are going to have a lot to do with this because it's not going to come cheap, right? It's going to come at a cost. And um, I think uh, both uh, governments and businesses need to be honest with consumers about that subject for another day, perhaps. But I appreciate your comments on climate change. I think we could have done the whole podcast on climate change. It's certainly something that we're consumed with. But I want to move on to another area that is top of mind for business leaders, and that is the state of the United States. It's changing. I mean, there's no denying it's changing. We thought it was an aberration and that we would go back to normal, and we clearly haven't. And I'm wondering, because of course, you know, you have a very impressive footprint uh, south of the border. How, how are you navigating some of these changes that are taking place in the U.S.? And how concerned should we be as Canadians about rising protectionism there? Well, so, you know, uh, we do have a very large business in the U.S. In fact, you know, uh, more than a third of TD is now in the United States. You know, as you know, we have fantastic footprint from Maine to Florida and a great business in different uh, segments, as we call them. You know, we have a good uh, retail business as well as a, as a very large and a thriving wholesale business. So the U.S. is a, is a terrific market, is a terrific country. Uh, you know, it borders uh, Canada with the largest trading relationship and works well for the most part. But as you said, you know, we go through phases here where protectionism, uh, political discourse, all these uh, sort of topics are, you know, deserve a podcast on their own. But I'd say generally speaking, this relationship has gone through, you know, various phases, ups and downs, and it has thrived. And it has been terrific for both countries. And you know, over the long term, I see that uh, to continue. I, I think we will have bumps in the road. Without a doubt, you know, when you're going through major, major sort of crises like the pandemic, uh, you know, what's going to be upon us with climate change is going to cause a lot of stresses uh, in, in, in all the countries. And then, of course, you have the political discourse where folks, you know, are on different sides, you know, where that's why, you know, that we should talk a bit about, you know, when you have an economic recovery, and we will have a, a huge economic recovery in North America post this pandemic, we have to ensure that it's an inclusive recovery. And this is the core of the problem. When you have a recovery that only benefits, you know, a few, 
and many, many are left behind. That causes the problems that you just started with. That causes, you know, protectionism. That causes us versus them. It, that causes this unity where folks are for themselves and say, what can I do just to survive myself? So I think you got to start with that. And in Canada, I think we are very fortunate. You know, we, we have a system that that is geared towards uh, that kind of a situation. But here we should as well be mindful that we have to ensure it's an inclusive recovery that, you know, everybody thrives. And the United States, you know, needs to work on that as well. So on the one hand, I agree with you and things, you know, look uh, every day, there's a new headline and and all of us react to it. But I think over the long term, when you helicopter up, uh, this has been a terrific relationship. It's been advantageous for both countries. And ultimately, I think, you know, we go back to where we started from, you know, this will be behind us uh, as long as we manage these difficult sort of forces that are upon us and the pandemic has something to do with it. And hopefully when we are past it, we can get to somewhat of a business as usual environment. You know, one of the things that is going on out there, of course, as I mentioned earlier, is this war on talent. And of course, America can be very aggressive in taking our talent. Does that keep you up at night at all? It does, but I'm not, you know, blaming America. I think <laughs> talent goes where there's an opportunity. I think as a country in Canada, you know, that is one issue we got to address. You know, how can we make sure that folks, you know, who are highly talented, you know, they graduated from Canadian universities, you know, they love Canada. And how do we provide an environment to those individuals and say, hey, you can stay in Canada and have a terrific life, a very successful life. You know, you can strive here. Because, you know, what's the point? If we if we cannot give them that opportunity, then they want to go where the opportunity is. And that's what America is all about. You know, they do provide that opportunity. So I think there's a lesson for Canada that there are things we need to do to keep the talent here. There are, you know, you talked about industrial policies. I mean, that's, that's, that's a phrase from the 60s, Goldie. But there is a, a need for some kind of a conversation as to, you know, what do we need to do to 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 choose industries where Canada can be a global leader like we have been uh, in our history, you know, is artificial intelligence that that industry is, you know, technologies that are going to emerge to address climate change, you know, are those the industries and, and what do we need to do as a country to make sure that the talent that is required to strive uh, and be successful uh, stays in Canada. Uh, and, and that's a challenge for us. But I think, you know, it's something that policymakers and big businesses need to think about and talk about and come up with the right solutions. Yes, I, I take your point. It's an old phrase, but I think what it suggests is that we haven't had to do anything. It's been pretty easy being Canada, right? We've been blessed with geography. We've got America right next to us, but now we're alone. And we really need to be deliberate in going forward. I just call it a strategy. What's the strategy for the country, uh, to be honest? And one of the things that has to be at the core of that strategy is an issue we haven't uncovered yet or discussed yet. And that is the issue of immigration. Because immigration tends to be the lightning rod for populism. We saw that in the Trump administration and others. How critical is that in Canada for you? Critically important, you know, like to have immigration. Because, I mean... We, we've been talking a lot about the pandemic. You know, one thing there's absolute agreement on that one way to actually manage the economy of the future with all the dislocations that have been created by the pandemic, like the debt, you know, the, the, the country has taken on a huge amount of debt. The only way to manage that is through a growing economy. Growth is 
uh, you know, I'll use the phrase here, growth trumps all challenges and, and we need growth. And, and a key ingredient in growth for Canada, and we've proven this, historically, we've seen Canada can outgrow, can outperform, and it happens through immigration because, you know, we have a, a good policy. We've been able to attract, you know, terrific, uh, folks from around the world uh, who are highly talented and, and they come here and, and thrive and do very well in the economy. So I, I think, you know, it's uh, I know the government is already talking about the need for immigration, need to increase the, the level of immigration, because that's going to be absolutely necessary in order to address not only the, the implications of the pandemic, but what we need to actually be successful in the future. Yeah, I think that's uh, that's extremely key. Look, I could go on with you for some time. <laughs> I know you've got uh, bigger things to do than this, but I wanted to end with a question that we've been asking our, our guests uh, uh, in this season. And that is really, in your mind, is there a big idea that you think could really help transform Canada? Well, we've been talking about it, and I can't think of a bigger idea than talent and skills and what is required to be successful. I mean, we know that as a country, we are blessed. We are very fortunate with the resources we have, you know, the system of government we have. And we are a country that is united in its vision. You know, we want to be successful and want success for all. And what we need there, we talked about immigration, we need growth and we need the right talent. We need to make sure we have the right skills. And if we can bring all those things together, you know, I have every confidence that we can that Canada's best days are ahead of it. We have a terrific country and we have a terrific foundation. And if we make sure that the mix of talent and what you are calling industrial policy, if they all come together, it's going to be terrific for Canada as we compete in this new world. Well, that's probably a great place to end on because it is ultimately about leadership. And uh, I think that if we put our minds to it, we can get to where we need to go. Thanks so much for making the time for this, Bharat. I really appreciate it and enjoyed it very much. Thanks very much, Goldie. And I enjoyed it as well. And all the best and stay safe. You too, my friend. Bharat Masrani is Group President and CEO of TD Bank. If you would like to hear more of our Speaking of Business conversations with innovators, leaders and entrepreneurs, why not subscribe to our podcast? Search for Speaking of Business wherever you get your podcasts or go to our website at thebusinesscouncil.ca. Yes, that's thebusinesscouncil.ca. Until next time, I'm Goldie Hyder. Thanks for joining us.